Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, today we're going to be talking about, and this is, you know, incredibly timely, as it turns out, um, biggest communist threat to America. Is it China, Russia, or the left? Now, my guest today has written a new book, and um, it is called um, The Dancer and the Devil, Stalin, Pavlova, and the Road to the Great Pandemic. And really, um, as he will describe, his name (laughs) uh, is John O'Neill, as he will describe, this um, is primarily talking about the our long-standing enemies communist threats but today we have to um, also include as of the recent events the increasing communist threat in Amer- in america within america itself which is pr- probably more dangerous even than well i guess they're competing with who's more dangerous uh china or russia or or the left in america Um, We just had the shocking event that I'm talking about, you probably already know, of course, is the FBI raid of um, former President Trump's residence at Mar-a-Lago in Florida, uh, looking supposedly for uh, documents, for documents that they think he took as secret documents that are going to be very damning, they believe, they hope, to Trump himself. Um, and that he stored, secreted away, they even went into his safe um, in Mar-a-Lago. Now, uh, as we'll talk about, you know, on the show in more detail, but it seems like really this is a, um, there may well not be anything at all to find that is um, that is of any great importance. Um, but But the... Even if there isn't anything, um, it is the 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 optics, the idea that um, this is a show of strength, in other words, by Biden, by Obama, by Obama, who is really the puppeteer behind Biden and all of the leftists along with them who are trying to show America and Americans that uh, how much power they have. And the truth is that if they can do a raid into a former president of the United States House, they can do a raid into your house as well. So even if you are not a Trumper, (laughs) um, you certainly should be very concerned because whether it's Trump or um, anybody else really in, in America, they could do the same thing too. So, you know, and how, and this relates to communism, of course, because that is the goal of the left, um, to turn America into a socialist, then really communist state. So we'll be talking about that a little more later. But let me first introduce my guest, um, and we'll talk about his um, his take on commu- the communist threat from, um, from our well-known communist enemies. So John E. O'Neill is a best-selling author, and a retired attorney. He served in uh, the Vietnam War, where he commanded PCF-94, John Kerry's swift boat, uh, following Kerry's cowardly departure. And Mr. O'Neill was outraged by Kerry's anti-war slanders against his fellow veterans. So he faced off with Kerry in a famous debate, which you might remember, if you were around on the Dick Cavett show in 1971. And he refuted Kerry's accusations of rampant American war crimes in Vietnam. You know, all these people, Kerry is just another example, these people who turn against America, traitors. Um, John O'Neill graduated from the U.S. Navy Academy. He's a patriot of the highest order. He's dedicated his life to country and exposing the existential threats posed by our nation's sworn enemies. And um in line with that is his new book, 
The Dancer and the Devil, Stalin, Pavlova, and the Road to the Great Pandemic. You will see by the end of the show how these things are connected, I promise you. So, John, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Carol. It's an honor to be on your show. Um, Where would you like to start? Do you want to make a comment or two about uh, the raid on Mar-a-Lago before we jump into China? I do. Uh, I clerked for Justice William Rehnquist at the United States Supreme Court. I finished first in my class in law school at the University of Texas. I tried hundreds of cases, Carol, a, um, in my life. That's the most appalling single thing that I know about. You have to understand to start off with that uh, if you want documents, which apparently was the object, you proceed through a subpoena unless there's a real threat of them all being destroyed or extraordinary circumstances. That didn't exist here at all. Uh, To send 30 some uh, FBI officers from a special unit in Washington to raid uh, a president's home without warning in the wee hours of the morning is much more like the Stasi or uh, the Gestapo or the KGB than it is like any American FBI. This is a black mark on the history of the United States. The raid was illegal, almost certainly, because the, the, the requirements for a warrant as opposed to a subpoena were not met. And uh, it was in any event an incredibly bad judgment to go and uh, raid a political opponent's home. It's completely at war with the American political uh, tradition, which relies on votes, not the weaponization of a legal system. This is something that could occur in Chavez's uh, Venezuela, not in a free country like the United States. So I want to say after practicing law, 50 years, clerking, finishing first in my class in law school, I'm truly heartsick and, and very angry about what happened. Yes, I am too. But I'm not a particularly a Trump fan. I'm a um, I'm a conservative, uh, but I'm not particular. And I support Trump's policies, but not I. I didn't support him in 2016 for the Republican nomination, so I have no particular reason. But I'm going to support him now, Carol. And so is almost everybody down here in Texas. This is outrageous what they did. Yes, you know I've been reading about that. That some people are saying that. Um, even if they didn't support Trump before, that um, this has enraged so many people, um, myself included, that now they are going to vote for Trump. And of course, it's not a coincidence that this happened right after the um, the CPAC meeting where Trump was uh, overwhelmingly voted, you know, that he was the, he had the support, the best, the most support. And then this happens right after. And then the Arizona primaries where his candidates won. I, I don't know if I backed them or didn't back them. I'm not from Arizona. But I think of the words of Eric Bonhoeffer, who who in prison in 1945 wrote, they came for the socialists. The con- He's talking about Hitler. They came for the socialists. And we said it's just the socialists. And then they came for the communists. And it was just the communists. They came for the Jews. Those were the Jews. And then they came for us. This is a Bonhoeffer moment when you have a, a bunch of, of uh, thugs showing up in the, in, early in the morning without genuine legal justification to raid a political opponent. This is a terrible thing for our country. Yes, and, and that, that saying, and there was nobody left to stand up for us, something like that. Words to that effect, uh, I, know what, I know what you're saying. Yes, it, it is true. Um, well, let's, we could go on with this, and we will sure. in a little bit, but I want to make sure that we talk about your book, too. Um, I, I want to say, too, it's very much like the, the technique that the Marxists use always. The Marxist in eliminating political opponents uh, always use a peripheral offense and never a political offense. So in 1921, for example, the entire leadership of the, of the Russian Orthodox Church was paraded and shot in Red Square in Moscow, not, not supposedly not for being uh, Russian Orthodox, but because they supposedly had withheld the chalices, vestments, icons of the church, which supposedly the communists wanted to use to buy grain. Of course, all the communists were doing were buying Rolls Royces for themselves. 
but they use the, the pretext of that to eliminate these people. In the same way, the claim against Trump apparently is going to be a protectural claim. Wait, you were holding on to uh, classified documents. Hang on, he's got a top secret clearance. Uh, every president has held on to documents and they're duplicated in digitally in many places. There clearly is no emergency uh-huh. that can lead to a midnight raid like this. Um, so it's an outrage, Carol, and it's, it's a deep attack on, on the functioning of our democracy. Yes, um, I know it's, uh, you know, um, and, and maybe this, you know, there have been since really since George Floyd is when I dated back to, you know, when there were the protests, um, the uh, riots, um, <laughs> not the peaceful protests, the riots. Um, and then we started waking up to things, other things that were going on that had been that had been going on uh, surreptitiously. The CRT in schools, the, the con- convincing of students um, to become trans and any other sex than that which they were born into. And all of these things, you know, we've been gradually seeing and all the cancel culture and, and you know, all of that. Um we've been gradually seeing happening. I've been doing a lot of talking about it and uh, and talking about how this is a danger to democracy and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, there was still a part of me, at least, that never thought that America, and yes, this is the left, and they're trying to, you know, in this World Economic Forum, and they're trying to um, turn this into uh, a country, a communist country, basically. Um, but but it seemed like there was going to be a lot of time before that would happen. And there, there was still time to change, to stop these things from happening. And now the raid, um, you know, it's it's all it's it's just so shocking because it's like, wait a second, we didn't have as much time as we thought we did uh, to to fix things. You know, I've been doing a lot of talking recently. I started actually when Biden was running for president, but um, but now that he's gotten then then as he's become more uh, shown as he's been showing more signs of dementia, I've been talking more and more about the Twenty Fifth Amendment and you know Biden. I had said at the beginning that he had encroaching dementia, and now it's been encroaching, you know, ever ever stronger and brain fog from COVID on top of brain fog from dementia and so on, but. But even then, it was like we have time to enact the 25th Amendment. We can get rid of him. Why is everybody, you know, why are they stalling, blah, blah, blah. And then this happens, and it just kind of shows you the power. There is so much power. These things that seem to have, like, seemed to... If you go back, Carol, to the very beginning, in the Constitutional Convention, there were people that said, under no circumstances can the police power be vested in the federal government because the federal police will become too strong. There was no Department of Justice for the first 100 years of our republic. There was no FBI until the 1920s because people were terrified. What could happen? Could a unitary police become like the KGB? Could they become a a force for tyranny? We had good reason for starting the Department of Justice. We started it essentially to enable voting rights in the South and to fight the Ku Klux Klan. And when we started the uh, the FBI, we had good reason for that, too, to to ensure that we'd have uniform enforcement of federal law. But I'm afraid what's happened, Carol, is they've matured into exactly that which the founders were afraid of, into a unitary police power that is um, being used to impose essentially dictatorial government in the United States. And that's all going along with, uh, you know, the rush to after every school shooting or mass shooting, the rush to say we have to get rid of guns. Right. So well, we won't we won't be able to fight incredible back. Incredible ineffectiveness because virtually every school shooting involves a shooter whom the FBI has been informed about ahead of time. Yes. When you study one after another, they always receive warnings. Hey, this guy's a potential yes. shooter. And absolutely nothing happens in terms of effective policing by the FBI but they show up with 30-some policemen in the middle of the night to what carry documents out of Mar-a-Lago in violation of the law. My God, uh, that's what we're facing. And it's, it is the world you and I hope we would never face. Yes, yes. It just seems like that. how could that ever possibly happen? Well, um, 
I know. You know, I think we've we've been taking our freedoms in America a little too complacently. Um, and people need to wake up. I just am worried that it's kind of like the frog in the boiling water. You know, the water is boiled slowly. And by the end, I mean, so the frog thinks that, oh, I don't have to jump out yet. And then by the time it gets to a boiling point, um, the the frog is uh, anesthetized, you know, is is asleep. Um, and we have to wake up. So we're we're almost at the break. And um, what I'd like to do now for the next in the next segment is to talk about your book. And um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how all of that actually dovetails with what we were just starting to talk about in regard to the raid. So um, why don't we do that now? Take a break now. My guest is John O'Neill. He is the author of the book um, entitled The Dancer and the Devil, Stalin, Pavlova, and the Road to the Great Pandemic. And um, you have some pretty shocking things that you talk about in the book as well, uh, which, which you know, <laughs> we're all being shocked. And we're going to, unless we wake up, we're going to find out that uh, too late what all these things were foretelling. So stay tuned. Uh, you'll, we'll be right back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, uh, talking with you today about what is the biggest communist threat to America? Is it China, Russia, or the left? And my guest today is John O'Neill. He's the author of a new book called The Dancer and the Devil, Stalin, Pavlova, and the Road to the Great Pandemic. So um, we're going to be talking about that uh, now, starting in this next segment. And it's very interesting uh, And on the backdrop of what we've been talking about during the first segment, which was the raid of Trump's home at Mar-a-Lago. So... Take it away. <laughs> well, uh, the most powerful uh, of our adversaries is clearly China. As you know, our foreign policy for 30 or 40 years has been recognizing that the two most powerful adversaries we have in the world are China and Russia and hoping that they're divided. 
Um, that was the purpose of Nixon's visit to China all those years ago in 1970. What's happened is they're no longer divided, they're united. And they're united in a, in a military alliance. Uh, partially their union is produced by our own stupidity, but partially it's produced by the fact they each now have Stalinist rulers. Uh, Xi in China, Xi Jinping is the most extreme ruler of China since Mao. He, uh, his father was Mao's propaganda chief, um, and he says that you can't be a good communist in China if you don't believe in Stalin. Of course, Putin's father, uh, grandfather was Stalin's cook and taster. Um, he's the guy that actually was Stalin's rabbit, uh, the guy who tasted food for Stalin. Uh, Putin's father was an executioner in the Ukraine. His job was to go behind the Soviet troops as they reconquered the Ukraine and shoot people in the back of the head that were deemed to be politically unreliable. Mm -hmm. uh, Putin has said that the collapse of the Soviet Union was history's greatest tragedy, that Stalin is a saint, and uh, Putin actually has actively campaigned to try and get Lenin, who killed 175,000 Orthodox priests, to be canonized as a saint by the Orthodox Church. So we're dealing with two hardcore Stalinists with uh, views of history very different than the freedom that has been the heart of our country. Uh, China, uh, you know, Russia is in many ways a hollowed out shell with nuclear weapons. It's, uh, it is, as we can see from its army in the Ukraine, its army's not the Great Red Army of the Second World War, but it's very, very dangerous because it has terrible nuclear weapons and terrible biological weapons, and it's led by a fanatic. China is a very different matter. China has an incredibly powerful economy that has an incredibly powerful military. Its Navy may be superior to our Navy in the Pacific. It probably is. And um, so it represents an existential threat to the United States with hypersonic missiles and space platforms that'll continuously revolve in space. She says that the Pacific is now a Chinese lake and the sky is a Chinese heaven. And so we're looking at a very dangerous world for the United States of America. And of course, defending ourselves begins with the realization that that's what we're looking at. It's not, this is not the China of 1985. You know, it's not the China of Deng Xiaoping. This is an incredibly aggressive company, country that for the past 10 years has been working on the most advanced weapons in the world. And like Hitler, turning pure technology to them, they're able to turn out incredible weapons, and they have some. In Western China, they have a mock-up of an aircraft carrier, and they practice destroying it. Mm. Uh, our Pacific fleet is dependent upon aircraft carriers. That's our whole striking power, and they're completely vulnerable to China. China, of course, is in the process, it looks like, of trying to conquer Taiwan by force in the same way that Putin is trying to eat up the Ukraine. Mm. We, we, of course, appear to be blind in some ways. Our, our uh, government under Biden um, in the Ukraine, you recall that uh, Putin, that uh, Trump provided missiles to the Ukraine to defend themselves. They were cut off when Biden first took over because he thought they would provoke Putin. And they were only begun again after Putin began an invasion without the missiles that were provided that, you know, um, Biden's offer of an airplane ride to Zelensky would probably have had to be accepted instead of the brave fight that the Ukrainians have staged. In Taiwan, the very same thing is true. The Taiwanese are brave people. They'll fight hard for their uh, freedom. And they're, of course, they're one of the most advanced technological country in the world. They're the largest producer of chips in the entire world right now. Uh, and in the heart of Taiwan Semiconductor, a lot of other countries, 40 million people, but 40 million really, really smart people. And uh, of course, their loss, if it happens, will threaten Japan, uh, South Korea, and all of our friends in the Far East. So it's a dangerous world for us. Uh, Doctor, it really is. Yes, and all the more reason why um, we need to have a strong leader and um, 
and a strong country, you know, in America, not with all of this internal problems that we're having. So in your book, what what does it mean, The Dancer and the Devil? What does the title mean, Stalin, Pavlova, and the Road to the Great Pandemic? Well, what happened is uh, in 1921, uh, Joseph Stalin started a poison laboratory called Laboratory Number 1 in the Soviet Union, and he used it arguably to poison Lenin and certainly to poison many others. The most famous of all the people he poisoned was the great dancer Anna Pavlova. Stalin believed in cultural Marxism, so he believed it wasn't enough to control the banks and control the oil companies. You had to control the words, doctor, that you wrote or you read, the dances that you watched, the television, whatever medium that you were watching. So Anna Pavlova who danced free and danced the old ballet of Russia, that is the Nutcracker and, and uh, Pharaoh's Daughter and uh, all the, the Swan Lake. Um, this was totally unacceptable in the new Soviet Union creating the new man where ballet would be workers hitting a hammer. So Stalin watched from his box on the, on the Bolshoi and he ordered uh, Pavlova to come back to Russia in 1927. She refused to come. Uh, he then tried to block all of her performances in the West mm-hmm. in 1928, 1929, 1930. He sent his mistress, Anna Kolontai, to try and do that. Um, that failed. And so what he was left to do was actually to poison her. Stalin had developed his poison labs to eliminate people that he couldn't couldn't simply disappear, as millions did. He disappeared and shot many of them. He couldn't simply uh, execute them publicly because there'd be too much of an outrage. And so he had the most sophisticated poison laboratory in the world, which expanded into bioweapons. He had a huge bioweapons facility specializing in anthrax at a place called Saratov. It almost killed him, as the book relates, through a leak. Mm-hmm. Um, Pavlova was his most famous target. And uh, she actually went to the to the Ritz Hotel. <clears throat> she had lunch ordered in her room, ate lunch, climbed on a train to go to her opening performance and immediately told everyone she had been poisoned by the food in Paris. Everyone said, who would ever poison her? She was the most beloved ballerina in the world. Who would ever poison her? And as she slowly died, she swore his company to go forward with the performance in The Hague, asked for her swan costume, made the sign of the cross, and she died. Mm. And the very next night, the company went forward with their performance. Each spot where she was supposed to dance, they shined a spotlight because, as they explained, there was no other dancer in the world who could take the place of Anna Pavlova. The number, uh, the Oscar-winning movie for Best Movie of the Year, 1932, Grand Hotel, <clears throat> was made by her friends about her. Um, the, the primary character is a, is a sort of hopeless Russian ballerina, obviously on her way to death the year after Pavlova's death. He didn't stop with Pavlova, and he, he killed any number. One, another one he killed was Wallenberg. Wallenberg was the uh, guy who in Hungary saved perhaps 100,000 Jews by g- issuing s- Scottish passports. There were 1,000 trees planted to commemorate Wallenberg outside the Holocaust Museum. Well, the world, Wallenberg had disappeared in Budapest as the Soviets took over and the world did not know. He was the missing man of history. Well, in the 1990s, the documents came out. Stalin brought him back to Moscow, put him in the in laboratory one. He was used as a test rat for new poisons and he was slowly and painfully poisoned to death. With a, with a poison called seed. His body was then cremated so that nobody could detect the poisons. These continued in the Putin period. And in China, in the, in the Stalin period, there were biological weapons laboratories set up. Even after the break, the Chinese continued with these. Their laboratories leaked. This, the COVID leak in Wuhan was not the first. They leaked for the very first time known in 1977 when they leaked a uh, flu that went all the way around the world and killed a million people. 
scientists thought it was a leak at the time of a flu because it was a flu that hadn't existed for 20 years. So they thought it had to be in cold storage. They denied it. And then the head of the Chinese virology program in 1994 admitted, yes, it leaked while we were trying to develop vaccines for it Uh with the Army. And uh, the book also outlines in detail how COVID-19 was created in Wuhan and then apparently inadvertently leaked in Wuhan. My belief is that COVID-19 was created to be a biological weapon. It was, uh, and that it was leaked likely during vaccine tests. Uh, a bio bioweapon does no good if it kills all your own people. So you have to develop a vaccine in order to make your people immune. And uh, in 1977, during the vaccine test, the flu had leaked. It's likely, it seems to me, that's what happened in 2019. As the book outlines, the Chinese destroyed all forensic records relating to the outbreak of the of the flu. They killed the doctor, Dr. Lee, who discovered it and put it on the internet and otherwise behaved in a manner completely compatible with the artificial creation of that as a bioweapon. We tried to pretend, sadly, uh, that it didn't happen. We concealed the fact that we had provided technology to them that could be used for the uh, actual alteration of viruses. Uh, so-called CRISPR technology. And uh, up until this day, with some exceptions, we've tried to pretend that it just sort of happened in a wet market and other ridiculous explanations. Although we know, and every sensible thinking person knows, it was a created virus in Wuhan, China, in either the bioweapons lab or the bioweapons lab in China, in Wuhan. Uh-huh. And um, there is something about um, there are reports that um, China has been collecting uh, genetic information. Like, for example, when what what do they call? um, Oh, I forget what the names of the companies are. But when you send something, you send your DNA to uh, to find out your like Ancestry.com, for example. Um, And uh, China has been collecting the DNA um, patterns of people so that they can make viruses, biological weapons that specifically target certain people with certain D- DNA, certain races. Well, the it, first, and- first news we had was a man named Kenneth Al- Albeck from the Soviet Union who defected. He was the number two guy in their bioweapons program, and he claimed they, they had what was called a hunter program. A hunter program means you were actually adapting viruses that could see, you know, attack certain genetic types. So I could develop a a smallpox virus that would attack someone who was Jewish, but not someone who was Irish or vice versa and so on. And uh, so they were clearly working on that when he was there because he worked on it. He's frank and that's what he was doing. In China, they have the CRISPR tool. The CRISPR tool allows you to actually manipulate for the very first time and create new viruses. The first man-made virus that mankind has ever encountered and stay on Earth is COVID-19. Of course, we know it's killed 18, 19 million people so far. So without question, China is working on the development of viruses that can attack various genetic types and not attack other types. Um, these are fearsome genetic weapons. Yes, and we're sort of um, playing into their hands by sending our DNA to the. I mean, they've bought like um, these companies like Ancestry.com. Um, you know, I well, think. Under the 19, 1972, all the nations of the world signed what was called the Biological Weapons Convention. And they all said, we're out of the biological weapons business. We're not going to do that. We could wipe out mankind like that. But it was a starting gate for the Chinese and the Russians. It wasn't us. We went out of business. They didn't. They went forward with it. Um, they were putting more money, the Russians, by the 19, late 1970s into bioweapons than they were into their nuclear power program, nuclear weapon program. Mm-hmm. In 2012, in the presidential debate, uh, Putin was being challenged that he hadn't kept the army up to date, 
And he said, you say that, but that's because you don't know about our genetic weapons. Hmm. Um, the Russian army spends one day out of every five working on biological warfare. Out of, hmm. From who? From us? We don't have any biological weapons. Um, of course, they're working on using biological weapons. Uh, the very same things have happened in China. There are large biological weapons commands. So, for example, when COVID broke out in Wuhan, no Dr. Fossey showed up. The military showed up. The military bioweapons command showed up and shut the city down, destroyed all the records of the early cases, uh, caused the death of Dr. We Dr. Lee and other early observers, whistleblowers, and uh, imprison others. And so that's uh, the difference between us. We're disarmed and we're unprepared. Heck, we couldn't even take on this COVID-19 flu. We didn't have masks. We didn't have ventilators. We didn't even, even to this day, you know, our treatments are, are poor and, and substandard. Yes, yes. As evidenced by Biden himself getting COVID twice, <laughs> supposedly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to have to take another break. Um, so let me just uh, tell people again, my guest is John O'Neill. His book is called The Dancer and the Devil, Stalin, Pavlova, and the Road to the Great Pandemic. We're talking about uh, who is the biggest communist threat to America. Is it China, Russia, or the left? So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch, where we're talking about super, super important stuff today. And no, I don't say that every time, but actually, it's becoming more... Um, more urgent some of these things that we're talking about than ever um today's show is called the biggest communist threat to america is it china russia or the left and uh, my guest is john o'neill and his book is called the dancer and the devil stalin pavlova and the road to the great pandemic now, um, in the break, um, Mr. O'Neill was starting to tell me about some interesting news uh, in regard to how China apparently tried to get your uh, exposing expose <laughs> stopped. <laughs> your book. What happened, what happened Carol, is uh, 
our book was written by myself and by Sarah Wynn. Sarah Wynn, my co-author, was a lawyer down here in Houston who went home to have children and, and write books and so on. And Sarah Wynn actually was responsible for our manuscripts, assembled our manuscripts, our evidence, and is uh, incredibly knowledgeable. And uh, so uh, when we first showed with the manuscript to the book, we were told by publishers in New York, we were offered a great deal of money for the deal if we would take all reference to China out of the book. Um, and How so, do you do that? How do you do that? Well, that's, well that's we, they wanted to, we could write a book about Stalin. That was okay. Yeah. But it just wasn't okay to write a book about the communists in China. Uh, of course, we wouldn't do that. In May of 2021, uh, Sarah woke up at nine o'clock in the morning or thereabouts, goes on her computer, and the manuscript of our book, which is on this computer in manuscript form, has been opened at four o'clock in the morning. Uh, of course, this is kind of interesting. Sarah has a separate website. Look on, the, and her website allows her to see where it's being viewed from. Yeah. And it's being viewed all of a sudden 20 to 30 times a day out of Wuhan, China. And China. <gasps> what? It's a it's a website that sells art. It has nothing to do with China. Um, so we go to the FBI. We contact the FBI. Uh, they say, look, you'll need to get a forensic computer expert. Mm -hmm. We retain at my expense a computer forensic expert here. He takes a look at it. And he makes copies of the hard drives to take a look at. While he's doing this, Sarah comes down and she turns on her computer and there is no manuscript. And all the sources and manuscripts have all been destroyed. Um, it's the end of the book, except there's a little funny little deal. And that is that she's made hard drives of everything. So she's got hard drives of the whole thing. Oh, wow. The sources are saved. And the other problem with whoever looking at it is they didn't get any of our of our real sources in China and Russia because we, we wouldn't keep those anywhere. The forensic computer guy says, uh, look, someone came in through the Apple cloud. They got into the Apple cloud and they got everything you, you had on the Apple cloud, all your sources, which were all wiped out on the Apple cloud. And they got into Sarah's computer directly through the Apple cloud and destroyed everything there. And we say, well, who does that? And they, they say the obvious Then in the whole world, there's only one group of people sophisticated enough to do that. And that's the Chinese government. They own the Apple cloud. They control it. They control the Apple cloud. They can see anything they want on the Apple cloud. Uh, not as a matter of Apple agreeing to it. They just have the forensic skill to be able to get into that cloud and see absolutely anything that's posted in the Apple cloud. Uh, so that's the beginning of our problems. Uh, but you had uh, you had another copies separate. We, you had other copies. we had other copies and other copies of the sources, and we manually kept the stuff we didn't want people to know about. Uh, and of course, the book is annotated with 674 footnotes and so on. And they provide, a, it's not something where we're saying some guy secretly told us something. We can't tell you who he is. It's all there in the book, although there, people did help us to know where to look. Um, the, the next thing that happens is our book comes out. It hits number 17 on Amazon. But uh, Dr. Carroll, there's not a single comment on the book on Amazon. I mean, look, hold on. If your book is 17 on Amazon, there are people that hate your book. This is a terrible book. Yeah. There are other people that say, boy, this is the greatest book I've ever had. I've, I've had books. You know, the last book I had had has about 11 or 1200 comments. And the book before that had 6,000 comments. So there are people that comment. Right. There are no comments. So why are there no comments? Well, we look, and according to Reuters, Amazon has reached a deal with the Chinese. I mean, an actual deal. And the deal is that they will not publish any comments that are critical of Chairman Xi on Amazon. Whew. So our book is not, is not a happy book for Chairman Xi, who is a thug, of course, who's killed millions of people. 
but he doesn't have to be worried about Amazon because <laughs> they've reached a deal that they understand 40% of all their goods come from China now. And so their deal is we won't criticize him if you let us keep getting 40% of our goods. Oh, wow. And uh, so when you buy an Amazon good, understand that's who you're, who you're helping. Um, and Chairman Xi, no doubt, appreciates it, but <laughs> makes it difficult to post a comment for our book. And if you do, don't mention Xi. Don't mention XI in the comment. Now, after we complain, the comments are opened up a little bit now. We don't, we don't know still how many are deleted or not deleted, but there are some comments that are being posted. And uh, so it didn't stop with that. Um, you know, they exercise tremendous influence over the publishing industry in the United States. And uh, that's what our country left alone. It's like a ship. You compared it to a fraud, but it's like a ship and it would write itself. If, if uh, I mean, it would come back to good sense. But it, what makes it so dangerous is it's not all by itself anymore. You've got these influencers from communist China who play a major role, very much like the German-American Boone did in, in the United States in the 1930s. Uh, very much the same kind of people. People have forgotten. But tens of thousands of these Boone members supporting Hitler were meeting in Madison Square Garden in 1939 and 1940. Um, in addition, uh, you know, the, our Selective Service Act after the collapse of France, passed by exactly one vote. There were all kinds of people saying, hey, Germany, look, the trains are running on time. It's a, it's a nice place. Why would we want to? <laughs> they're no threat to us. Why would we want to get involved? And Japan is a long way away. And that's sort of what they, a lot of people were saying until the, you know, until the uh, Pacific fleet got destroyed at Pearl Harbor. Huh. So, um so America, so it goes a long way back that Americans are kind of in this in denial or a bubble or, or uh, uh, complacent or you know take your pick. Um, My dad uh, was a na- an admiral in the Navy, Naval Academy class of 1931. He had two brothers-in-law killed, one in at Pearl Harbor and a second one at the in the at the Chosin Reservoir. They were all flyers and so on. And he always told me before World War II, he had read Mein Kampf. He had read about these guys, and he kept saying, look, these are awful people. Come on now. They're coming. They're going to try and conquer the world. The, the uh, Japanese Empire and the Germans, and no one would listen. They were just crazy. And as he said, we were on the beach kind of swimming as the bombers came overhead. That's kind of what happens to us. And his theory was always... God protects little children drunks in the United States of America, and that's why we're still around. I'm afraid we're back there now. We're in a deal where people don't realize we're in a very dangerous situation for the United States, both internally and externally, and uh, we don't get our act together. The world, this wonderful country that's been so blessed for all the people in it is in real trouble. Yes. And, you know, of course, a big part of the problem is that the history books that are being taught in uh, school uh, or the history just in general is being taught in, in school is not the real history. So kids who are growing up um, are not understanding, you know, are not being told about these kinds of things. They're being told a skewed view of history. Well, the by way of example, I happen to be from Texas, a history book that I argued about recently claims that an actual history book being taught says that the United States launched the Mexican-American War so that it could annex Texas and get it away from Mexico. Wait a second. Texas became a separate republic from Mexico 12 years before the Mexican-American War. joined the Union two years before the Mexican-American War broke out. But facts don't matter because, as uh, Stalin said, he who controls the present controls the past. And so typically Stalinist is you simply adjust or change history to make it as convenient as possible to adjust the the historical account. You eliminate words. For example, Stalin said that he would eliminate by 1935 the word God. The Mm -hmm. word God and the concept of God 
would no longer exist in the in the Soviet Union. And similar words, um, a play like uh, you know uh, a ballet like The Nutcracker, it was it, it can't exist. It shouldn't exist. It has a Christmas tree. It has other stuff. No one should know about it. If you go to China, you ever speak to anybody directly from China that's young, they don't know about Tiananmen Square. They don't. They've never. They don't. They don't actually ever learned about it until they came to the West because it, the total knowledge of the massacre at Tiananmen Square, the replacement of the prime minister and the head of the Communist Party by the radicals in 1990, it's totally suppressed. It's not taught in China. If you mention the word Tiananmen Square, you know, you're heading for for jail somewhere and probably having your kidneys harvested and so on before they... <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I was in China with my mother several years ago and um, the hotel, you know, we were staying in nice hotels and stuff. I mean, but the hotel had at each end of the hall was like a, an official from China, from the government, you know, to see what you were doing. Why are you walking out of your room? Where are you going? All of that. And um, it, it was just very scary. I think if people don't, you know, that that, that kind of thing, you know, and people think, oh, that could never happen in America. Really? <laughs> well, getting well, back that, to uh, that, Mar-a-Lago, th- th- you would have said that could never happen in America. Everything changed. I, I did a case sent to me by the State Department in which I represented the Chinese government, communist government, in 1984 to 1989. It dealt with the... Uh, basically um, fraudulent oil field equipment that China had bought in Texas. And so I represent them, got to know them, like them, and so on. In 1989, what happened is everything changed in a minute. Deng Xiaoping, who had said, uh, there are no red dogs, there are no black dogs, I mean, no red cats, no black cats, there are only cats that can catch mice. Meaning we don't care about ideology anymore. Uh-huh. We're developed into a non-ideological country. All of a sudden, he grew old, and so his power faded, and the the fanatics took over in an afternoon in June of 1989. And of course, they massacred those kids in the square at Tiananmen, and um, uh, untold thousands of them, and many thousands afterwards. And it's been downhill for China ever since then. For a while. They kept a mixed capitalist system, which helped to make them into a much greater economic power mm-hmm. than any Marxist state has ever been. But since 19, since 2013, the ascension of Deng, I mean, the ascension of Xi, things are very different. All of a sudden, the, the more pragmatic China has vanished. Uh, Eleven of the movie stars are in jail, as the book relates. Mm-hmm. Uh, China's only Nobel Prize winner you know, has died now in jail. Hmm. Uh, thousands of people wow. in the Communist Party are being executed, and the Uyghurs and other minorities are being killed in the same way that the Nazis killed the Jews. Mm-hmm. Well, needless to say, you have given us some highlights that uh, have piqued my curiosity, certainly, and I presume lots of other people's. The name of the book, again, is The Dancer and the Devil, Stalin, Pavlova, and the Road to the Great Pandemic. Fascinating. And again, my guest is John O'Neill. Thank you so much, Mr. O'Neill, for being on the show. A wealth, a wealth of knowledge. Thank you. Um, What an honor to be on your show. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.